Adapting to a team that's not fighting at the front is challenging. But Valtteri Bottas hasn't lost his desire to win. I still don't see my Formula 1 career ending in, in the near future. I don't feel any performance losses on my driving. So still there's this thing inside me that really wants to win. That never goes away. Bottas has been in Formula 1 for more than a decade now. A decade in which he's delivered 10 Grand Prix victories, podiums plenty, and multiple team titles with Mercedes. Now he wants to use that experience and winning mentality to take Alfa Romeo forward. Hello and welcome to F1 Beyond the Grid. I'm Tom Clarkson and in this episode, I'm joined by a man whose popularity among fans continues to grow. Patience was a virtue at the start of Valtteri's Formula One career. He scored just one top 10 finish during a disappointing debut campaign with Williams in 2013. But his potential quickly turned into points and podiums over the next three years. Mercedes then made their move for him in 2017 after Nico Rosberg retired and Valtteri blossomed with the Silver Arrows. 10 race wins and 58 podiums later, he'd helped the team win five Constructors World titles in five years. Lewis Hamilton still describes Bottas as the best teammate he's ever had. But the Finn doesn't like being a wingman. Mercedes and Valtteri parted ways at the end of 2021 and he pursued a new challenge with Alfa Romeo. Cooler, calmer, and now sporting a mullet, he seems like a different man. Valtteri tells me how learning to be less sensitive and thicker skinned has changed his approach to Formula One. We also discuss how he's become a much more refined racer, why he thinks Lewis Hamilton is still the fastest driver on the grid, and much, much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Valtteri, good to see you. How are you? Good to see you too. I'm good. Thank you. Now, it's been two years since you were last on the show. Time flies. And a lot's changed in that time. New team in Alfa Romeo and a new look. You've embraced change both on and off the racetrack. It's quite scary how quickly time flies. I thought it was last year we sat down, but okay, two years. Yeah. That's how it is. <laughs> it was in Brazil, wasn't it? Yeah, but it is true. Quite a bit has changed. Different colors in the, in the car. Different kind of hairstyle. Different facial hair. Let's deal with the new look then, first of all. It's all very Aussie, isn't it? What is it about the Aussies? I did spend quite a bit of time last winter in, in Australia. It was yeah five to six weeks, actually, and um, I just like the lifestyle. I don't know, being there, I wanted to be part of the country and um, hairstyle modification was one of the, <laughs> the things to do. And it was actually a bit of a, like a joke. Well, could, I, whose I, idea was it? I, I saw the video that you put out, but whose idea? Was it you or was it your other half, Tiffany? It was kind of both of us. The first idea came like a long time ago. Like, yeah, because my hair was growing a bit. So I thought maybe I need a mullet and it, haha, it was a joke. But <laughs> then it actually <laughs> became true. And then oh, I kind of like it. The main thing in the morning when I look in the mirror, I see a handsome man. And uh, that's what <laughs> all that matters, right? <laughs> All very Aussie, as I say, but can you surf? I can't. I never tried, actually. Why not? I, th I thought you might have gone to the urban surf in, in Melbourne near the airport. I need to try. It's actually on my list of things to learn eventually. But um, yeah, it would be cool. Definitely. And do you drive a ute? I think that's another Aussie thing, isn't it? I don't. 
but also on the list. Also on the list. Actually, on the topic of Utes, you tested an Aussie supercar, didn't you, while in Adelaide just before yeah. the Australian Grand Prix. How was that? It was cool. Uh, it was the 2016 Bathurst winning V8 supercar. And um, it was the like a festival thing, so obviously demo run, but got a bit of a bit of a feel of the car. It's uh, it's a bit heavier than my usual tool on, on track, but um, really enjoyed it. You were ragging it. I saw you doing, what was it, donuts and... Yeah, unfortunately the owner wasn't that happy about it after all, because it's pretty, pretty valuable car, but um, had to do it. Had to, had to entertain the people. Could you ever see yourself racing in, I don't know, the Bathurst 1000 or... Why not? Obviously, at some point post F1, which is not yet for many years, um, I do want to always keep driving something because it is the number one fashion in my, in my life. But I uh, haven't thought that far yet, but for sure that would, would be an option. Do you see supercars as a similar discipline to rallying? Because, of course, you have done a bit of that over the years. I think it's still track racing. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely closer. Like it's uh, Rallying is whole another world, you know, when you drive from pace notes, etc. But yeah, supercars, I think it's um, obviously different driving style, but not quite rallying yet. <laughs> While you're embracing all things Aussie, what about your other half, Tiffany Cromwell? Is she embracing all things Finnish? She does really love Finland and actually to this race here in Baku where we're recording this, we came from Finland, had a bit of time in the, up in the north. There was still snow there um, and then sometime in, in the south of Finland where I'm from and she does love many things about Finland like sauna, um, you know, the, the lake swims, um, the Nordic cuisine. Does she go straight from the sauna into the lake or is there a period of acclimatization between those two moments? She would go straight in, yeah, yeah, definitely. She's got sisu. She's got sisu or ozikrit. <laughs> so yeah that kind of stuff she but really Valtteri what's coming across is that you seem very relaxed and happy at the minute is that true I think that's fair to say I think life is in, in great balance I'm enjoying a lot of things um, outside Formula 1 as well but um, yeah people shouldn't like um, think that I'm not serious about F1 you know if they think I'm just having fun that's not the case you know I'm still working hard with the team and um Still, my dream is to win win races. But then, when I have time off, then I can really, really enjoy it and embrace it. You know. But has your approach to the job, the day job, changed since you've been at Alfa Romeo? Yes and no. Still, there's this thing inside me that really wants to win. Really, really wants to do the best I can, help the team. Uh, so that never goes away uh, because I want to be as professional as, as I can when I'm working. But then I would say all the other related stuff to F1, like the media or uh, this bit, <laughs> this bit or <laughs> events, um, critics, stuff like that. That thing I can take a lot easier nowadays. Like I don't, I don't really stress about things like that. Uh, it's just part of it. And um, I would say yes, in certain elements about F1, I'm more easy than that before. And does that make you a better driver? Time will show, obviously, but. Yeah. Uh, at least I feel good. I feel like I have lots of energy, and uh, when I come to the race weekends, I have um, always full full batteries, always keen to go, and everything is more fun. And normally, when you enjoy the sport, the results are better. So let's see. 
from pole position. Valtteri Bottas can now make it to the final corner to see the chequered flag. And Bottas crosses the line to win the Turkish Grand Prix. It has been the commanding performance. And that will give him a huge cheer as he leaves Mercedes at the end of this season and heads off to Alfa Romeo. Well done. Dominant performance. Great stuff. <laughs> yes! Ooh, thank you. That's fun. You say that you still want to win. That is the dream. And of course, you've won 10 times in Formula One. But since you've been at Alfa, your best result is fifth, I think it was, in Imola last year. How difficult is it to adjust your mindset to not winning when you've been at a team like Mercedes before? It is tricky, of course, but I did have quite, quite a bit of time to get my head around it and get used to that thought that, okay, coming to a race weekend is a different target. But I had time to prepare, you know, when, when I knew that I was joining Alfa Romeo. There was already time before the start of the next season. And then you really just, you, you start working. It's a different goal in terms of the actual result but um, the goal of being at your best, trying to get everything out of the car, everything out of the team, that never changes. The satisfaction comes from different kind of things of like seeing progress and hitting your targets. So that is what success looks like now for you, is, is just maximizing everything around you, including yourself. Exactly. And hitting targets together as a team. Now, you've been at Alpha for what, nearly 18 months now. How do you feel it's gone? We still have work to do. That's no lie. Especially this start of the season has been a bit bit up and down, but good thing is only the very start and there's still lots of races to go and we see where we can improve. But I would say as a team, if I look at everything from this my year two to year one, everything is a lot more professional. I think everyone has stepped up their game already in, in one and a half years. In what ways? All the details, like whether it's about the quality of the car, reliability issues, attitude of the people. I don't know, people are starting to well i think we are starting to understand that yeah if you want to be towards the very front of the grid it's all about the fine details in whatever you do it's been good to see a bit of a change but yeah like i said still work to do so talking specifically about this year's car the c43 can you talk us through its strengths and weaknesses strengths i would say a bit like last year that we seem quite competitive in in the slower speed stuff slow speed corners and the balance of the car this year is actually very nice. Weaknesses, I would say, is related to higher speeds, whether it's about the pure top speed on, on some tracks or whether it's about high-speed corners. We're still lacking a bit of overall downforce, but there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the car. It's behaving quite nicely. We do have some fixes to come to those issues already in, in the pipeline. I would say strength this year as a team as well is I think we can produce a bit more stuff during the season in terms of the upgrades. Last year, that was a bit of a weakness for us, but uh, I feel like now we've stepped up on, on that for sure. What about the one lap pace of the car? I'm just looking at the qualifying performances of you and Joe in the opening three races. Neither of you made it into Q3. Was that circumstantial or is the car fundamentally difficult over one lap in qualifying? It's definitely not been the, the strength we definitely need to work on, on, on that, as it's only three qualifyings on quite different tracks and conditions. Yeah, it, it does show that probably the, the pure pace of the car at the moment is not in, in Q3, which is um, obviously disappointing at this point, but we're talking about such a fine margins, especially the 
middle part of the grid um, is is super tight. You know that if you can gain even one or two tenths, you are you're there. So um, I'm not too concerned yet because we're in, in the start of the season. Do you feel you're closer to Mercedes and Ferrari than you were last year? If we have to take Red Bull out of the equation, this point of the year, Mercedes actually we were battling with them last year. <laughs> it was only at the end of the you're, year. You're right, actually. Yeah. Think of Spain, for example. Yeah, you exactly. had a great race battling them. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, but definitely to to other other. Yeah, now let's say Ferrari were definitely closer. Um, I feel like Red Bull is a bit of an outlier. They seem to have pretty strong package, but for the rest, nobody is out of reach actually. I'm now thinking about that race in Spain last year and thinking of those great moments. Of course, Mexico was another great race for you as well. Is there a correlation between where you were strong last year, all the tracks where you were good? There was a correlation on where the car was fast, then I could get, get the results. Otherwise, I don't feel like I lacked you know, skill on any certain type of track. It was like when the car was there, when the machine works, then then I can do it. You know, So it's... Um, it's pretty simple in the end. You've talked about the processes in Henwill. Given your experience with Williams and Mercedes beforehand, now that you've been with the team as long as you have, do you see any reason why Alfa Romeo and Sauber going forward can't win races? No, not at Everything all. is there. Everything is there. What do you need? Still needs a bit of time. Still needs a bit more people compared to the very, very big teams. That's about it. I think, yeah, for sure, some machinery can be always improved, but um, elements are there. So um, it's. I think we're living quite interesting times in the team when we look at the years ahead, you know. Is the vibe in the team very different to a Mercedes, for example? It's quite different. I would say definitely like when I jumped from Mercedes to Alfa Romeo or Sauber, for me, the immediate feeling was more like a race team rather than a company definitely felt a bit more corporate at at Mercedes versus just pure race team at Alpha. But um, which one is better? I don't know. And the fact that it's in Switzerland versus the UK, your previous all of your previous Formula One experiences come in the UK. Do you see that as an advantage or disadvantage? I think it was definitely an advantage for me to come from a team that was winning everything almost, you know, the, the five years I was there. So I've seen what it needs from a team to perform on that kind of level. So for sure there was a lot I could kind of feed back from, from those years. So I think it was advantage. But um, of course, cultures are different. Switzerland, UK, very different kind of countries. Uh, you speak, you know, different language. But both very, very hardworking nations, you know. So um, only thing... I think what is actually a bit of a disadvantage maybe for Sauber in Switzerland is because the the pay of the peoples is, is definitely higher than in, in the in the UK. So then for, if you think about the budget cap, you know, then you have a deficit. You know. True. That, that, and, and actually the team has fought that case, hasn't it? I mean, anyone who's been to Zurich will know that it's a really expensive It is expensive, place. yes. <laughs> Valtteri, there's been a major change at Alpha over the winter with the departure of Fred Vasseur. How much does the team miss him? Of course we miss him. He, he was a big part of the team for a long time and um, I've known him for a long time and, and it's no lie that he was one of the reasons I, I joined the team. But then the next year he left. <laughs> um, but I understood him because it's um, for him it's an opportunity that you don't want to miss in Form 1 on his role. So... 
of course you go for it. But the main thing was that things are taken care of when he leaves and things are in order and in place and there's a right structure in the team and and it is. It was pretty pretty seamless actually. The way things went, the way Andreas and Alessandro stepped up, um, it's been good to see. And actually I feel like we're in in good hands with those leaders. We'll come on to them in just a minute. But on the topic of Fred, how did he break the news to you that he was going to Ferrari? He called me a couple of days before, said maybe you've seen rumors, but yeah, now I can confirm this is happening. And uh, but don't worry, things are going to be in place and so on. So um, fair play. And you, you say you understand the attraction of Ferrari. I do definitely. I do. You know. It's obviously windy at the top, but that's the name of the game. I like the expression. It is windy at the top of Ferrari, isn't it? Have you ever had an opportunity there? Were there ever conversations about you joining in, I don't know, 2019, for example? There was a long time ago. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, but I think it was um, it was before Mercedes, I think. But then after that, nothing serious because I was always committed to securing the Mercedes seat and, and so on. But yeah, it's how it is. You mentioned Andreas Seidel, who is now the CEO of the team. He joined from McLaren over the winter. Were you surprised at the news that he was coming in? I didn't really have many names that I could choose and kind of think who would be next. But uh, then it kind of made all sense. You know, he's got good experience, super smart guy. He knows a lot about the sport, about the technology as well. I think as a character, he's the right type as well. He's... um, a bit German in, in 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 a way, you know, very uh, can be very direct, which you you kind of need. So um, and yeah, of course he's in the team for long term now, so it definitely makes sense. And so far, I think he's done a great job. But like, what he can do in the team, the future will show that. You know, you can't see immediate results in in anything when you have a new new boss. Of course, he was at Sauber before, back in the yeah. early early Sorry. noughties, wasn't he? But what impresses you? about Andreas Seidel? I think his motivation, he's, he's got very clear goals on what he wants to achieve and uh, very performance and result driven. But at the same time, he's good with people. So yeah, I can definitely see the motivation there and uh, that fire that you need um, in, in this sport. So that's good. But like I said, it's still early days for him in, in the team and there's still a lot to do. So um, time will show. So what about your future? Your contract's up for renewal at the end of next year, end of 24. Do you want to be there when Audi comes in? I guess you do. I'm still young compared to some. <laughs> um, what are you, 33? I'm young th- compared to Fernando. Don't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm 33. Yeah, my answer is yes. I still don't see my Formula 1 career ending in, in the near future. And I don't feel any performance losses uh, on, on my, my driving or the way I work with the team. So... It is interesting for for the whole race team, whole company, what what is happening, and uh, of course, you know, being part of a car manufacturer is uh, is something that you almost need if you wanna wanna win in Formula One. Did you know about Audi coming on board when you signed for Alfa Romeo? No, I didn't. That came after. I don't actually know if they were even discussing back then. Probably not. But yeah, it's obviously a shame to see Alfa Romeo go because it it is and really iconic brand that I feel like it should be in, in Formula 1, but that's how it goes sometimes and um, things change. You say that there's no changes in your performance, but 
are you actually getting better? How does experience work for a Formula One driver? You've done more than 200 races now. Compare the Valtteri Bottas of today to the one of, let's say, why not 2017 when you joined Mercedes? I definitely learned so much since then. You know, definitely you, from every year you learn more things about the tracks. Um, you learn more about setting up the car, about racing. You definitely improve with, with, with time in terms of the experience you, you gather and you get. And as long as you want to improve, you, you will. I think it's a, it's a beautiful sport in that way. And I think the experience helps, especially when you're facing issues, let's say, with a car and stuff and solving problems. That's when the experience really, really comes handy. So I'm sure my skin is a bit thicker as well. And I'm less sensitive about things nowadays than, than back then. And that helps. Definitely. Emerson Fittipaldi, double world champion, came out recently saying that Alonso, aged 41, has another six years in Formula <laughs> 1, if he wants it, right? Where do you see yourself? Do you think you'll still be doing this age 40? It's hard to say, you know. It obviously depends the way the sport is going. What's your situation in the sport? Which team are you in? How's the atmosphere? And Because at some point, I think, in the career, what comes to you is that all the traveling, all the other hurrah. And would you rather be racing another side of the globe or would you rather actually not pack your suitcase and, and stay home? I think that's going to come at some Do point. Do you think that's the first thing that gets to you? I think so. The travel? I, I think so. I think it's it, it's pretty pretty consuming. I'm still more than happy to do it for quite a long time, but I'll tell you when I'm 39, if I go for the 40. <laughs> so uh, it's hard to commit at the, at the moment, but still have many, many years for sure. Because... You know, we touched on it at the start of the pod, but it seems to me you have so many interests now outside of Formula One, quite apart from, you know, fitness is obviously a thing for you and you do a lot of cycling and that keeps you busy. But your business interests are just seem to be growing and growing. You talked about the coffee last time you were on the pod. You've now just launched a gin. And actually, when you were last on the pod, you gave a brilliant description of what a good coffee should taste like now can you do the same for us for a gin <laughs> i can <laughs> of my because it's quite it's unique gin. your gin yeah. isn't it it's made from it's, oats so yeah it's uh, distilled a hint with, of porridge oats. exactly I'm, i was joking is it <laughs> <laughs> well it doesn't come up like a porridge you know and and the structure is not like porridge so but, but seriously, what, what is in a good gin give us a description good gin is it's quite simple it's a gin that you you like to you, tastes as good. Doesn't burn. It's, it's smooth um, and has has a nice taste. That's in a nutshell. But yeah, for, with our gin, it's inspired with with oats because actually our family has a small farm in, in southern Finland. We grow oats, so some of those are used in the distillation, and that brings like really unique softness and and sweetness to the gin. So it doesn't burn at all, and it's not sharp. And then apple peels are from Adelaide Hills, where Tiffany's from. So it's like Finland and Australia in a bottle, you know? And obviously using the best water, cleanest water in the world, which is in Finland, certified by UNESCO, um, and then put in the bottle. Obviously other botanicals as well are being used, but it's a beautiful product. And I've heard many comments from people who normally don't like gin, but then when they try it, like, oh, that's actually very nice. So, uh, <laughs> of course they would do. Yeah, well, and it's going really well. I, I, I read somewhere that you sold 33,000 bottles last year. Yeah, that was the, the first batch and now we, we've made some more. So um, it's, it's good news. It's a passion project, but also 
seems to people really seems to love the product so a passion project but do you see this as your business after race driving when you stop potentially yes obviously yeah i think i feel like in life you always need to think a bit ahead you know so as well and uh, i tend to get into things that i have, have a passion and yeah gin is one of those together with my my girlfriend we do have people helping us with the with the company so like example when i'm here i can just 100 focus on driving but then eventually when i have more time in the future yeah then i can commit more time to it and uh, do more stuff so you obviously got involved in the taste in terms of what you wanted the gin to yeah, be yeah are you now getting involved in the expansion of the business the marketing of it yeah yeah i'm, I'm definitely involved in all, all of that like which countries do we want to get to? How do we get there? Which distributor do we use? All these kind of things. So it's actually been, I've learned a lot how difficult this alcohol business, getting to different countries and being approved by different things. But uh, we're getting there now in many different countries. And Valtteri, what about racing? Could we see you have your own racing team going forward? Or is your only interest in racing the driving bit? At the moment, just purely driving bit. I mean, never say never on certain things, but at the moment I'm all in for the driving part. <laughs> but what is nice thing about um, the future, you never know what happens. Could we see you managing drivers? Alonso again, I think he's got his own management company as well. Never say never, because always help is needed when you're a young and upcoming driver. And and even you know when I joined the Formula One 10 years ago, times have already changed since then. And I feel like it's getting more and more difficult for young drivers to come through, especially if they struggle financially. So um, I'm really open to any any suggestions. How do you feel Formula One has changed in that decade that you've been involved? The last couple of years, massively. Like it's Because of the new regs or more than that? Uh, more than that. I would say the popularity of the sport. I feel like now it's really as popular as it's ever been, I believe. I've never seen that many races being sold out. So many people around big traffic jams, getting into the hotel, <laughs> coming into the track, all, all these kind of things. So it's definitely quite different to the pre-COVID times, I would say. But the racing is good. It's good to see the grid is um, is close, uh, makes exciting racing. I'm really enjoying it. I think it's, the sport has improved in terms of safety and racing and entertainment. I do like the direction it's been going and another rule change in 2026, we'll, we'll see see what that brings. And do you like the direction that the tech has gone? Do you like these rules compared to the 2013 spec that you were driving? If I'm fully honest, the sound of the 2013 car was pretty sweet, um, the V8. But apart from that, I think it's, it's all, all good, actually, for, for how entertaining it is. And actually, as a driver, it's good fun as well. You know, the Lewis super, has said quite a lot about the weight of the cars and how heavy they are now. What's your feeling about that? That's that's a bit of a negative. If I look look back in, in 10 years, definitely cars being getting heavier. But then on the other hand, you have more downforce. So it's like, yeah, it's a bit of a trade-off. And it's lots of the weight is also safety devices and, and, and safety and stronger structure. So, yeah, of course, we would love to drive cars which are lighter. But at the moment, it's, it's just not quite possible. Valtteri, for people who don't understand, who have never raced, why is weight... A negative. The car just becomes more agile and almost like a go-kart feeling type of thing when it's when it's light. And the heavier it gets, you know, the more you have inertia in the corners. So like it's quite hard to explain, but um, it just becomes almost a bit more clumsy in a way in terms of the handling. But it's still 
far away from being a clumsy car. You know, it's still super agile, but uh, everything's relative. Valtteri, Joe Guanyu is your fourth teammate in Formula One, following Pastor Maldonado, Felipe Massa, and Lewis Hamilton. How does Joe compare to the other guys? Joe is very good teammate, very nice guy. Obviously young, comes from different background as well. So every team is always different, but um, it's always hard to compare them. Everyone as a human is different. As a driver, they're different, age, different, everything. So, uh, But, you know, for his age and experience, he's really mature. Like he's, uh, he's obviously got like a good education. He comes from really sweet family. You know, it's just a good human being and uh, and at the same time, really, really skilled driver. And he knows his his job, which is hard work and work as a team together. And uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been nice to see him grow and to get faster. There seems to be a good vibe between you guys. You seem very willing to help him. Yeah, definitely. I know that uh, when you join the Formula One, you need some help. There's so much things to learn, so um, anytime he seeks for any advice, I'm always there, and and, uh, who knows, maybe one day vice versa. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, are you still as willing to help him now as you were a year ago? Of course, of (laughs) course I am, because it is, we're in this as as a team, you know, we we definitely want to get closer to the front of the the grid, and uh, for that we need to work as a team, and we both understand it. When I list those Previous teammates, Maldonado, Massa, Hamilton. Come on. Who was the quickest of that lot? Lewis. I think he's still the quickest driver on the on the grid. You think he's he's quicker than Max and Charles and he's yeah. still the main man? Yeah, yeah. To me, he's the fastest. What was he doing that Massa and Maldonado and Joe aren't? When you look at the data. Well, first of all, annoyingly talented. <laughs> but <laughs> on on top of that, works hard, works way harder than people actually think. Like um, outside the race weekends and and in the race weekends, quite often the last person to leave from the paddock of of the drivers. It's just that combination, and he's got big big drive inside him, you know, to always deliver and do well. And his average baseline performance is is so good that uh, then he's really really consistent as well. So makes him hard to beat. When I could beat him, it was like, for me, that was obviously a good day. But on average, I never quite managed. Do you still have a lot of contact with Lewis? Yeah, yeah, we still have good friendship, I would say. And um, still, yeah, this season travelled with him a couple of times. Yeah, always, we have a good laugh. Valtteri, since you were last on the pod, Abu Dhabi 2021 happened. So I haven't had a chance to ask you about it. It was your last race for Mercedes. What do you remember about the aftermath of that Grand Prix? I had a headache the next day. <laughs> that's that's what I remember. Um, Aftermath, it was painful. The whole team was really suffering. Yeah, Lewis was was down. Toto was down. Even though we won the constructors, but yeah, you know, when you lose the drivers' title like that on on the last lap, it's it was unreal. Um, just big, big disappointment for everybody, and took a while to recover for everyone in, in the team, and um, not great. It wasn't my greatest memories, and um, just that atmosphere was... was Did it not, feel not odd to be leaving the team under those circumstances? Probably the best time to leave, <laughs> no. <laughs> just, well, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it was a bit strange. The last time went to the factory, obviously, they paid, like, this huge respect, and I was so thankful for everything, like, 
they did at the end when I le- left, there was like fireworks and all the people lined up in the factory and it was uh, actually quite emotional to, to walk away on that kind of situation and grief in the team was not maybe the, the ideal. Just while we're talking about that team, what about Toto? How has your relationship with him changed now that you're no longer at the team? Not much really. Like I've known him for a long, long time and um, we still have a chat every now and then. He seems a bit stressed at the moment, which is fair because only thing is good for him is winning. Nothing else is, is it's just not good enough. So I'm sure he's pushing himself and everyone to the limit to get back to the front. But um, yeah, he's obviously a busy, busy man, but still a good friend. Do you still have a business relationship with him? Uh, yes. Yep. So he, is he involved in your management still? Yes. He wasn't my manager when I was at Mercedes, obviously, for different reasons and not getting like a cut or anything. Because <laughs> <So>, <laughs> that's just not, not how it works. But yeah, now he's one of the part of the management team. One thing you mentioned over the winter, you talked about diet and how you suffered from eating disorders earlier on in your career. I was so focused just on trying to be the best and uh, trying to be as lightweight as I can in terms of physical weight on those tricky times. And But, but why? Why did you want... I mean, the I car to... had a minimum weight, so why did you feel you needed to be so light? Because my teammate was 15 kilos lighter than me. Okay. And yeah, and if the car is overweight, then you might have a deficit. And he's able to put ballast lower down and therefore Exa- that's... Okay. Yeah, exactly. So then right. I, it just went over so the So it was your ferocious competitiveness that drove you to it? Yeah, exactly. It I, wasn't I, anyone telling you to do it? No, no, it was me. Oh, okay. Just me thinking that's the right thing to do. And uh, yeah, things got a bit out of hand in terms of the amount of training and the amount of eating didn't quite match. So um, it just became an obsession, you know, uh, of trying to train more and eat less. So lift and learn Live and learn. Yeah. So how much heavier are you now compared to those early years at Williams? Uh, I think the lightest I was probably was maybe seven kilos less than now. But like, yeah, you can you can do it for a while, but it's not sustainable. You know, you need to be pretty close to your like natural, good, healthy weight if you want to do this sport for years, you know, and, and to stay healthy. Did it affect your performance negatively in any way? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no doubt that um, I was sort of really concentration yeah just con- exhausted concentration for sure with adrenaline you can do a lot and with your willpower mentally but uh, physically yeah it was some races were really really challenging so a Singapore for example yeah exactly, exactly. with all the, the, the sweating and the yeah. what is it, two hour race and yeah talking of long races do you harbour any ambitions of going to Le Mans in the future why not? I mean, it's it's not a thing that I've been just looking into and thinking, yeah, I have to do this. But it's, it's one option. Like I said, I'm pretty relaxed on uh, what is it going to be eventually. But I feel the world is your oyster. That's, that's definitely how something like. that's coming across. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's cool. Like uh, even, I don't know where I w- I'm going to live in the future when in 10 years time where I'm going to be. I don't know. But I, that's I'm the- intrigued now. You're going down under, aren't you? Uh, no, I said, I don't know. <laughs> that, and that's the beautiful thing. World is definitely my oyster. So. Do you know, I remember Mark Webber telling me that one of the joys of living in Europe is that within a two-hour flight, there are so many different cultures and things to see. Whereas he said, a two-hour flight from where I grew up in Australia, you were just still in the desert. Yeah, true. That <laughs> so is true. It's a big country. Sort of, yeah. yeah, it's just a huge place over there, isn't it? Can we just talk about the remainder of this season? What What are your goals for the remainder of 2023? Goals are still 
as before the season, even though the bit challenging start that we want to be better than last year because we need to see progress, we need to do better. So um, yeah, I want more points than last year. We as a team want more points than last year and that way better results. So, But that comes from details, like I mentioned before, and looking into every single detail. But the potential is there and with fine margins this year, it is possible. So um, yeah, we're working hard on it and um, look forward to see what we can achieve. One of the hallmarks of last year was that really strong start and then almost no points finishes in the second half of the year. So is that one of the things you want to see change this year? You want to see constant progress all the way through? Absolutely. Absolutely. The consistency has got to be the key. And uh, at least from what I've seen now, the quality everything is. It's So far, we haven't had those kind of reliability issues that we faced last year. So hopefully that means we can just purely focus on performing and improving the car. Is a podium possible? It is always in this sport. When you're on the start line, you have a chance. I definitely want to be on the podium this year. So that's one of my my personal targets. And if you take Red Bull out of it for a minute, do you think all of the other teams are in the crosshairs for you? It's always a challenge to kind of fight with the bigger teams, you know, such as Mercedes, Ferrari, this year actually even Aston Martin. But it's it's not impossible. It's so close. We're talking about not so big time gaps, you know. Do you feel the midfield has closed up? Yeah, definitely. Definitely it's way closer than ever before and that brings opportunities. And that puts more emphasis on what's going on in the cockpit as well. So the the driver's value goes up. Yeah, exactly. You can make a difference. Like if you can really get everything out of the package, um, if you're fast, then it could be really good. Well, good luck. Do you believe in luck? I mean, yeah, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you get unlucky. Do you uh, get balances out over the course of a season? Sometimes it feels like it doesn't, <laughs> but I, I, I hope it's something like this. So, uh, yeah, a bit of luck would be nice, of course. And knowing the characteristics of your car, is there one race that you're particularly looking forward to? I think Mexico, I can. I think it could be strong. Why? Maybe even Monaco. Why didn't Monaco happen last year for you guys? It's a good question. We definitely learned some, I think, mechanically, set up and approach the weekend wasn't just quite working mechanically you know with the with this really unique track but i would say that slower speed stuff in general still feels like we have maybe a bit more potential all right as i say very good luck and thank you very much for your time it's been great to catch up again thank you not long to wait for monaco valtteri good luck there in mexico and for the remainder of the season Wasn't it great having Valtteri back on the show? He's such an engaging personality and he seems really happy with where he's at in Formula One and in life. He's clearly enjoying the challenge of building up Sauber with the new management and he's embraced his new business empire, hasn't he? Valtteri, many thanks for your time and I'll see you soon. As ever, please send in your thoughts and stories about Valtteri. How do you rate his and Alpha's chances for the remainder of this season? What do you think of the mullet? Have you tried his coffee or his gin? Let me know through all the usual means. I'm at Tom Clarkson F1 on Twitter, or you can use the hashtag F1 Beyond the Grid. Which, of course, leads me on to what you sent in about Dan Fallows after last week's show. Many of you were impressed by what Dan had to say, as was I. So let's start with this from KJS. Another great podcast, TC. I've watched the rise of the team and thought the Stroll Consortium breathed new life and credibility into the team and the brand. Clearly, brilliant minds like Dan Fallows has played a huge role in the rebuild. What an impressive man. 
Well, thanks for the note, KJS. And I think you're right there. Dan is impressive and he's definitely leading the team in the right direction, isn't he? Next, how about this from NavF1? It's a letter. Dear Dan Fellows, it says. From the Alonso fanbase who suffered through the F14T, the McHondas and the Alpines. Thank you. <laughs> Nav, you're a happy Alonso fan. I can see that. One of many, I'm sure. Thanks for the note. And finally, what about this from BMTH12? The fact that Dan is acknowledging that college and university degrees should not be the only basis for which they look at newer technical talent is awesome. Yes, I thought that was a really interesting take of Dan's as well. It'll be interesting, won't it, to see what kind of technical team he builds going forward. But he seems open to anything. Now, we're going to leave it there for this week, but thank you to everyone who wrote in. We read all your messages and we love getting them. And don't forget to send in your thoughts and stories about Valtteri Bottas in time for next week's show. And before I go, please remember that our F1 Nation Azerbaijan Grand Prix review with Damon Hill, Juan Fossaroli from ESPN Latin America, and yours truly is available now. And we have a brand new official F1 podcast as well, Formula Y. It's a show for everyone who wants to know more about how the sport works. The first episode, Why is F1 Sprint Such a Challenge, is out now. Search your podcast app for Formula Y. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another great guest from the world of Formula One. But for now, F1 Beyond the Grid is produced by F1 and Audio Boom Studios. Until next time, keep it flat out.